Chapter Twelve of the Fortunate Foundlings by Eliza Haywood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter Twelve, Continuation of the Adventures of Louisa, her quitting Vienna with Melanthe and going to Venice, with some accidents that there befell them. Not all the gaieties of the court of Vienna had power to attach the heart of Melanthe after she heard that a great number of young officers just returned from the campaign in italy and other persons of condition were going to venice in order to partake the diversions of the near approaching carnival she was for following pleasure everywhere and having seen all that was worth observing in germany was impatient to be gone where new company and new delights excited her curiosity having therefore obtained proper passports they set out in company with several others who were taking the same route and by easy journeys through tyrol at length arrived at that republic so famous all over europe for its situation antiquity and the excellence of its constitution here seemed to be at this time an assemblage of all that was to be found of grand and polite in the whole christian world but none appeared with that splendour and magnificence as did louis de bourbon prince of conti he had in his train above fifty noblemen and gentlemen of the best families in france who had commissions under him in the army and seemed proud to be of his retinue less for his being of the blood royal than for the many great and amiable qualities which adorned his person this great hero had been a candidate with augustus elector of saxony for the crown of poland but the ill genius of that kingdom would not suffer it to be governed by a prince whose virtues would doubtless have rendered it as flourishing and happy as it has since that unfortunate rejection been impoverished and miserable begotted to a family whose designs are plainly to render the crown hereditary they not only set aside that great prince under the vain and commonplace pretence that on electing him they might be too much under the influence of france but also afterwards as resolved to push all good fortune from them with both hands refused stanislas a native of poland a strict observer of its laws and a man to whose courage virtue and every eminent qualification even envy itself could make no objection and thereby rendered the country the seat of war and theatre of the most terrible devastations of all kinds but of this infatuation of the poles i shall have occasion hereafter to speak more at large and should not now have made any mention of it had not the presence of that hero whom they first rejected rendered it the general subject of discourse in venice numberless were the instances he gave of a magnanimity and greatness of mind worthy of a more exalted throne than that of poland but i shall only mention one which like the thumb of hercules may serve to give a picture of him in miniature having the good fortune one night to win a very great sum at public gaming just as he swept the stakes a noble venetian who by some casualties in his life was reduced in his circumstances could not help crying out heavens how happy would such a chance have made me these words which the extreme difficulties he was under forced from him without being sensible himself of what he said were overheard by the prince who turning hastily about 
instead of putting the money into his own pocket, presented it to him, saying, I am doubly indebted to Chancer, which has made me the master of this. Since it may be of service to you, I beseech you therefore to accept it with the respects of a prince, whose greatest pleasure in life is to oblige a worthy person. It would take up too much time to expatiate on the grateful acknowledgments made by the Venetian, or the admiration which the report of this action being immediately spread occasioned but added to others of a little less conspicuous nature it greatly served to convince those who before were ignorant of it how blind the polanders had been to their own interest among the concourse of nobility and gentry whom merely the love of pleasure had drawn hither and for that end were continually forming parties Melanthe never failed of making one, either in one company or another. Louisa, whom that lady still treated with her former kindness, or rather with an increase of it, was also seldom absent, and when she was so, the fault was wholly her own inclination. But, in truth, that hurry of incessant diversion, which at first had seemed so ravishing to her young and inexperienced mind, began, by a more perfect acquaintance with it, to grow tiresome to her and she rather chose sometimes to retire with a favourite book into her closet than to go to the most elegant entertainment it was certain indeed that her disposition was rather inclined to serious than the contrary and that joined with the reflections which her good understanding was perpetually presenting her with on the uncertainty of her birth the precariousness of her dependence and her enforced quitting the only person from whom she could expect the means of any solid establishment in the world had rendered her sometimes extremely thoughtful even in the midst of those pleasures that are ordinarily most enchanting to one of her sex and age but as she never was elated with the respect paid to her supposed condition so she never was mortified with the consciousness of her real one to a behaviour such as might have degraded the highest birth neither appearing to expect it or be covetous of honours nor meanly ashamed of accepting them when offered and while by this prudent management she secured herself from any danger of being insulted whenever it should be known who she was she also gave no occasion for any one to make too deep an inquiry into her descent or fortune but now the time was arrived when those deficiencies gave her more anxiety than hitherto they had done and love in one moment filled her with those repinings at her fate which neither vanity or ambition would ever have had power to do melanthe here as at vienna received the visits of all whose birth fortune or accomplishments gave them a pretence but there was none who paid them so frequently or which she encouraged with so much pleasure as those of the count de bellefleur a french nobleman belonging to the above-mentioned prince of conti she often told louisa when they were alone that there was something in the air and manner of behaviour of this count which had so perfect a resemblance with that of henricus that though it reminded her of that once dear and perfidious man she could not help admiring and wishing a frequent sight of him this was spoke at her first acquaintance with him but after some little time she informed her that he had declared a passion for her he is not only like henricus in his person said she but appears to have the same inclinations also 
he pretends to adore me continued she with a sigh and spares no vows nor presents to assure me of it something within tempts me to believe him and yet i fear to be a second time betrayed ah madam cried louisa in the sincerity of her heart i beseech you to be cautious how you too readily give credit to the protestations of a sex who by the little observations i have made take a pride in deceiving ours besides the count de bellefleur is of a nation where faith i have heard is little to be depended on those who give them that character replied melanthe do them an infinite injustice in politics i allow they have their artifices their subterfuges as well as in war but then they put them in practice only against their enemies or such as are likely to become so wherever they love or have a friendship their generosity is beyond all bounds she pursued this discourse with a long detail of all she had ever read or heard in the praise of the french and did not forget to speak of the prince of conti as an instance of the gallant spirit with which the people are animated louisa knew her temper and that it would be vain to urge anything in contradiction to an inclination she found she was resolved to indulge but she secretly trembled for the consequence the count having said many amorous things to herself before he pretended any passion for melanthe and though he had of late desisted on finding how little she was pleased with them yet that he had done so was sufficient to convince her he was of a wavering disposition melanthe was not however to be trusted with this secret she loved him and jealousy added to a good share of vanity would instead of engaging any grateful return for a discovery of that nature have made her hate the person he had once thought of as worthy of coming in any competition with herself she therefore indeed thought it best not to interfere in the matter but leave the event wholly to chance the evening on the day in which this discourse had passed between them they went to a ball to which they had been invited by one of the magnificos the honour of the prince's company had been requested but he excused himself on account as it was imagined of his being engaged with a certain german lady who also being absent gave room for this conjecture most of the gentlemen who had followed his highness from france were there among whom was the count de bellefleur and a young gentleman called monsieur de plessis who by a fall from his horse had been prevented from appearing in public since his arrival the gracefulness of his person the gallant manner in which he introduced himself and the brilliant things he said to the ladies on having been so long deprived of the happiness he now enjoyed very much attracted the admiration of the company but louisa in particular thought she had never seen anything so perfectly agreeable a sympathy of sentiment more than accident made him choose her for his partner in a grand dance then leading up and the distinction now paid her by him gave her a secret satisfaction which she had never known before on such an occasion though often singled out by persons in more eminent stations the mind which whenever agitated by any degree of pain or pleasure never fails to discover itself in the eyes now sparkled in those of louisa with an uncommon lustre nor had less influence over all her air 
her motions always perfectly easy gentle and graceful especially in dancing were now more spirituous more alert than usual and she so much excelled herself that several who had before praised her skill in this exercise seemed ravished as if they had seen something new and unexpected her partner was lavish in the testimonies of his admiration and said she as much excelled the ladies of his country as they had been allowed to excel all others the encomiums bestowed on her and more particularly those she received from him still added fresh radiance to her eyes and at the same time diffused a modest blush in her cheeks which heightened all her charms never had she appeared so lovely as at this time and the count de bellefleur in spite of his attachment to melanthe felt in himself a strong propensity to renew those addresses which her reserved behaviour alone had made him withdraw and carry to another but the lady to whom for some days past he had made a show of devoting himself was present and he was ashamed to give so glaring an instance of his infidelity which must in all probability render him the contempt of both this night however lost melanthe the heart she had thought herself so secure of but little suspecting her misfortune she treated the inconstant count with a tenderness he was far from deserving and having transplanted all the affection she once had for henricus on this new object told him at a time that such discovery was least welcome to him that she was not insensible of his merit nor could be ungrateful to his passion provided she could be convinced of the sincerity of it he had gone too far with her now to be able to draw back therefore could not avoid repeating the vows he before had made though his heart was far from giving any assent to what his tongue was obliged to utter but blinded by her own desires she perceived not the change in his and appointed him to come the next day to her lodgings promising to be denied to all other company that she might devote herself entirely to him it is possible he was so lost in his passion for louisa as not to be sensible of the condescension made him by melanthe but it is certain by the sequel of his behaviour that he was much less so than he pretended the ball being ended these ladies carried with them very different emotions though neither communicated to the other what she felt melanthe had a kind of awe for those virtuous principles she observed in louisa though so much her inferior and dependent and was ashamed to confess her liking of the count should have brought her to such lengths not that she intended to keep it always a secret from her but chose she should find it out by degrees and these thoughts so much engrossed her that she said little to her that night louisa for her part having lost the presence of her agreeable partner was busy in supplying that deficiency with the idea of him so that each having meditations of her own of the most interesting nature had not leisure to observe the thoughtfulness of the other much less to inquire the motive of it one of the great reasons that we find love so irresistible is that it enters into the heart with so much subtlety that it is not to be perceived till it has gathered too much strength to be repulsed 
if louisa had imagined herself in any danger from the merits of monsieur de plessis she would at least have been less easily overcome by them she had been accustomed to be pleased with the conversation of many who had entertained her as he had done but thought no more of them or anything they said when out of their company but it was other ways with her now not a word he had spoke not a glance he had given but was imprinted in her mind her memory ran over every little action a thousand and a thousand times and represented all as augmented with some grace peculiar to himself and infinitely superior to anything she had ever seen not even sleep could shut him out through her closed eyes she saw the pleasing vision and fancy active in the cause of love formed new and various scenes which to her waking thoughts were wholly strangers melanthe also passed the night in ideas which though experienced in were not less ravishing she was not of a temper to put any constraint on her inclinations and having entertained the most amorous ones for the count de bellefleur easily overcame all scruples that might have hindered the gratification of them her head ran on the appointment she had made him the means she would take to engage his constancy resolved to sell the reversion of her jointure and accompany him to france and flattered herself with the most pleasing images of a long series of continued happiness in the arms of him who was now all to her that henricus had ever been full of these meditations she rose and soon after received from the subject of them a billet containing these words to the charming melanthe madam though the transporting promise you made me of refusing admittance to all company but mine is a new instance of your goodness yet i cannot but think we should be still more secure from interruption at a place i have taken care to provide might i therefore hope you would vouchsafe to meet me about five in the evening at the dome of st mark i shall be ready with a gondola to conduct you to a recess which seems formed by the god of love himself for the temple of his purest offerings than which none can be offered with a greater passion and sincerity than those of the adorable melanthes most devoted and everlasting slave de bellefleur p s to prevent your fair friend louisa from any suspicion on account of being left at home i have engaged a gentleman to make her a visit in form just before the time of your coming out favour me i beseech you with knowing if my contrivances in both these points have the sanction of your approbation though melanthe as may have been already observed in the foregoing part of her character was no slave to reputation in england she thought herself much less obliged to be so in a place where she was a stranger and among people who when she once quitted she might probably never see again yet she looked on this caution in her lover as a new proof of his sincerity and regard for her she was also fond of everything that had an air of luxury and doubted not to find the elegance of the french taste in the entertainment he would cause to be prepared for her reception therefore hesitated not a moment to send him the following answer to the engaging count de bellefleur sensible as you are of the ascendant your merits have gained over me 
you cannot doubt of my compliance with everything that seems reasonable to you i will not fail to be at the place you mention but oh my dear count i hope you will never give me cause to repent this step if you should i must be the most miserable of all created beings but i am resolved to believe you are all that man ought to be or that fond tenacious woman can desire and in that confidence attend with impatience the hour in which there shall be no more reserve between us and i be wholly yours melanthe thus everything being fixed for her undoing she spent the best part of the day in preparing for the rendezvous nothing was omitted in the article of dress which might heighten her charms and secure her conquest the glass was consulted every moment and every look and various kind of languishment essayed in order to continue in that which she thought would most become the occasion as she ordinarily passed a great deal of time in this employment louisa was not surprised that she now wasted somewhat more than usual and the discourse they had together while she was dressing and all the time of dinner being very much on the ball and the company who were at it her thoughts were so much taken up with the remembrance of du plessis that she perceived not the hurry of spirits which would else have been visible enough to her in all the words and motions of the other and which increased in proportion as the hour of her appointment drew nearer at length it arrived and a servant came into the room and acquainted louisa a gentleman desired to speak with her she was a little surprised it being usual for all those who visited there to expect their reception from melanthe but that lady who doubted not but it was the same person the count had mentioned in his letter prevented her from saying anything by immediately giving orders for the gentleman to be admitted but with what strange emotions was the heart of louisa agitated when she saw monsieur de plessis come into the room and after paying his respects to melanthe in the most submissive manner accosted her with saying he took the liberty of inquiring of her health after the fatigue of the last night but added he the question now i have the happiness of seeing you is altogether needless those fine eyes and that sprightly air declare you formed for everlasting gaiety and that what is apt to throw the spirits of others into a languor serves but to render yours more sparkling louisa in spite of the confusion she felt within answered this compliment with her accustomed ease and being all seated they began to enter into some conversation concerning the state with which the magnificos of venice are served the elegance with which they entertain strangers and some other topics relating to the customs of that republic when all on a sudden melanthe starting up cried bless me i had forgotten a little visit was in my head to make to a monastery hard by you will excuse me monsieur continued she i leave your partner to entertain you and fancy you two may find sufficient matter of conversation without a third person she had no sooner spoke this than she went out of the room and left louisa at a loss how to account for this behaviour as she had not before mentioned anything of going abroad she would have imagined her vanity had been piqued that m de plessis had particularised her in this visit but as she seemed in perfect good humour at going away and knew she thought it beneath her to put any disguise on her sentiments 
she was certain this sudden motion must have proceeded from some other cause which as yet she could form no conjecture of this deceived lady however was no sooner out of the room than monsieur de plessis drawing nearer to louisa how hard is my fate madame said he in a low voice that i am compelled to tell you any other motive than my own inclination has occasioned my waiting upon you heaven knows it is an honour i should have sought by the lowest submissions and all the ways that would not have rendered me unworthy of it but i now come madame not as myself but as the ambassador of another and am engaged by my word and honour to plead a cause which if i succeed in must be my own destruction louisa was in the utmost consternation at the mystery which seemed contained in these words she looked earnestly upon him while he was uttering the latter part and saw all the tokens of a serious perplexity in his countenance as well as in the accents with which he delivered them but not being willing to be the dupe of his diversion thought it best to answer as to a piece of raillery and told him laughing she imagined this was some new invention of the frolics of the season but that she was a downright englishwoman understood nothing beyond plain speaking and could no ways solve the riddle he proposed what i say may doubtless appear so madame replied he and i could wish it had not been my part to give the explanation but i cannot dispense with the promise i have made and must therefore acquaint you with the history of it after the ball continued he monsieur the count de bellefleur desired me to accompany him to his lodgings and as soon as we were alone told me he had a little secret to acquaint me with but that before he revealed it he must have the promise of my assistance as he spoke this with a gay and negligent air i imagined it a thing of no great consequence or if it were he was a man of too much honour and also knew me too well to desire or expect i would engage in anything unbecoming that character indeed i could think of nothing but an amour or a duel though i was far from being able to guess of what service i could be to him in the former i was however unwarily drawn in to give my word and he then made me the confidant of a passion which he said had received its birth from the first moment he beheld the belle angloise for by that term pursued he bowing he distinguished the adorable louisa that he had made some discovery of his flame but that finding himself rejected as he thought in too severe a manner and without affording him opportunity to attest his sincerity he had converted his addresses though not his passion to a lady who he perceived had the care of her acting in this manner partly through pique at your disdain and partly to gratify his eyes with the sight of you which he has reason to fear you had totally deprived him of but for this stratagem he confessed to me that he found the object of his pretended ardours infinitely more kind than she who inspires the real ones but this gratification of his vanity is of little consequence to his peace he engaged me to attend you this day to conjure you to believe his heart is incapable of being influenced by any other charms and whatever he makes show of to melanthe his heart is devoted wholly to you begs you to permit him to entertain you without the presence of that lady the means of which he will take care to contrive and charged me to assure you 
that there is no sacrifice so great but he will readily offer it to convince you of the sincerity of his attachment this madame added he is the unpleasing task my promise bound me to perform and which i have acquitted myself of with the same pain that man would do who by some strange caprice of fate was constrained to throw into the sea the sum of all his hopes the indignation which filled the virtuous soul of louisa while he was giving her this detail of the count's presumption falsehood and ingratitude prevented her from giving much attention to the apology with which he concluded never since the behaviour of mr b at mrs c s had she met with anything that she thought so much merited her resentment so great was her disdain that she had not words to express it but by some tears which the rising passion forced from her eyes heaven cried she which of my actions has drawn on me this unworthy treatment this was all that she was able to utter while she walked backwards and forwards in the room endeavouring to compose herself and form some answer befitting of the message m de plessis looked on her all this while with admiration all that seemed lovely in her when he knew no more of her than that she was young and beautiful was now heightened in his eyes almost to divine by that virtuous pride which showed him some part of her more charming mind what he extremely liked before he now almost adored and having by the loose manner in which the count had mentioned these two english ladies imagined them women of not over-rigid principles now finding his mistake at least as concerning one of them was so much ashamed and angry with himself for having been the cause of that disorder he was witness of that he for some moments was equally at a loss to appease as she who felt was to express it but being the first that recovered presence of mind madame i beseech you said he involve not the innocent with the guilty i acknowledge you have reason to resent the boldness of the count but i am no otherwise a sharer in his crime than in reporting it and if you knew the pain it gave my heart while i complied with the promise i was unhappily betrayed into i am sure you would forgive the misdemeanour of my tongue sir answered she i can easily forgive the slight opinion one so much a stranger to me as yourself may have of me but monsieur the count has been a constant visitor to the lady i am with ever since our arrival at venice and i am very certain it never found anything in my behaviour to him or any other person which could justly encourage him to send me such a message a message indeed equally affrontive to himself since it shows him a composition of arrogance vanity perfidy and everything that is contemptible in man this sir is the reply i shall send him and desire you to tell him withal that if he persists in giving me any farther trouble of this nature i shall let him know my sense of it in the presence of melanthe Monsieur de plessis then assured her he would be no less exact in delivering what she said than he had been in the observance of his promise to the other and conjured her to believe he should do it with infinite more satisfaction he then made use of so many arguments to prove that a man of honour ought not to falsify his word though given to an unworthy person that she was at last won 
to forgive his having undertaken to mention anything to her of the nature he had done indeed the agitations she had been in were more owing to the vexation that m du plessis was the person employed than that the count had the boldness to apply to her in this manner but the submission she found herself treated with by the former convincing her that he had sentiments very different from those the other had entertained of her rendered her more easy and she not only forgave his share in the business which had brought him there but also permitted him to repeat his visits on condition he never gave her any cause to suspect the mean opinion the count had of her conduct had any influence on him End of chapter 12